Hey everyone, I'm Callie Williams and I'm heading to my next session at the Justin's Advisor University in Florida where we are learning tons of things yearbook from some of the best of the best. One other thing lots of the advisors here are thinking about is getting our rooms and our labs ready for our staff. And on this episode of the Yearbook Wise podcast, you'll hear about all kinds of must-have resources for your yearbook rooms. One thing I can't do without is chocolate because that's what gets me through those late night work sessions and every deadline. So here's today's show. Hey everyone, it's Mike Simmons talking to you from upstate New York. I'm the advisor of Tesserae at Corning Painted Post High School, and it's great to be back with you. It's been a few weeks. I've been out on the road at uh, three different yearbook workshops and camps, and uh, my family and I, we were able to take about a week on the coast of Maine, in Acadia, where my folks live. So uh, it's nice having some lobster and having some downtime. I've got uh, about a week now before I head out to the next camp, uh, Camp Orlando, down in Florida with some friends. And, uh, and after that, I'm heading to an archery camp actually. In another world, uh, I was involved in a church camp in upstate New Hampshire for almost two decades. And uh, it's fun now, having been a staff member there, to take my own kids there. And I'll be, uh, like I said, part of an archery camp for a week coming up. Uh, knowing that some folks are on the cusp of heading back to school, which is just mind boggling for me since we just graduated on, on June 22nd. But knowing that some advisors are going into their labs for the very first time, some advisors want to overhaul or reboot their labs or kind of come to it with a fresh set of eyes. I reached out to some friends in a uh, pretty well-established yearbook network that I've got uh, personally. And I said, hey, what are some of the resources, some of the items, some of the stuff, the physical stuff that you've got in your labs that you just can't do without? And uh, that's where this episode came from. Before I get into it, um, just a couple of notes. Uh, Again, never having podcasted through the summer before, didn't really know what to expect as far as pace and productivity. Uh, so some of the things that I hinted at in previous episodes are just about where you heard me mention them the last time. Uh, I've got a couple things in the works, but this is the uh, the newest episode that we'll have for a little while until I can get free of the camps and into uh, early August. But if you would continue sharing and uh, tweeting about the podcast, sharing it in your advisor networks at camps that you're at, um, that's really appreciated. And, and I'm so grateful as I've been to some of these camps uh, to hear in from advisors who are listeners. So it's great to know that you're out there. Um, again, if you want to be in touch or give some feedback, you can do that at iteachyearbook at gmail.com. And uh, you can encourage people to subscribe through Apple iTunes or anywhere they download their podcasts or give a follow on Twitter at, at yearbookwise. That's at yearbook, W-H-Y-S. So again, I put out a call uh, to advisor friends from a variety of backgrounds, working with a, a number of different companies, different experience levels and, and histories in the lab and said, you know, what does your lab look like and what can you just not do without? Um, some of this was productivity based. Some of it was staff culture uh, and, and celebrating the kids. Um, some of it was just straight up. We need coffee and you got everything else in between. So in no particular order, um, I'm going to give you that feedback and, and tag in uh, the, the folks or, or comment on the folks who uh, shared that input. Uh, a little shout out and thanks to all of them. And uh, I do want to note, too, that in the episode description and in the closer, I'll give you a link 
that's going to go to uh, pictures that some of these friends and, and colleagues have shared of their labs. So if anything doesn't quite make sense or you've got questions about what I'm describing uh, here in the podcast, you can go to that link. It'll be a Google Doc and uh, have a little bit of a sneak peek behind the scenes and, and, uh, and get a sense for what those folks' labs look like. Before we go any further, I want to highlight too, as I have before in the podcast, uh, the website, jeadigitalmedia.org. Uh, the digital media team has been doing a great job interviewing people uh, and sharing their newsrooms. Um, and they've got this feature that's, uh, that's ongoing. This is my newsroom. If you go to jeadigitalmedia.org and over on the right-hand side in the search bar, uh, type in newsroom, you'll go right to that entire series of, uh, of posts. And um, though many of them skew over towards broadcast and online news production, uh, quite a few of those advisors are also yearbook advisors. Perhaps they're running uh, converged newsrooms or they just share the space with their yearbook staff as well. But it can certainly be nice uh, to see something that's, if not a direct sibling of a yearbook lab, uh, than a cousin at the very worst, and just get a sense of, of what folks' uh, newsrooms look like there as well. So jeadigitalmedia.org, it's a resource that I pointed you to before and uh, continues to just be a, a phenomenal resource for advisors of all journalism backgrounds. All right, so up first, uh, Matt Schott, a good friend of mine, another tall, bald guy with glasses and facial hair. Uh, there's a whole bunch of us out there in the network. Uh, he advises at Francis House Central and the one thing that he said his staff cannot do without is actually a piece of photography equipment. Uh, so if those, there are those of you out there who aren't uh, real up on your photo equipment and what lenses to buy, here's a solid recommendation from Matt. He and his staff picked up used from Adorama, that's A-D-O-R-A-M-A.com, Adorama.com, a Canon 24 to 105 millimeter F4 lens. And I'll put a link to that in the, uh, in the Google Doc that goes along with this episode. Uh, but the thing that Matt shared on our uh, advisor kind of chat group was that that lens has become indispensable uh, for his staff in their classroom shooting. It's got a long reach from 24 to 105 millimeters, so fairly wide angle to just on the low end of uh, telephoto, so you can zoom in nicely. And it's an F4 aperture all the way out. It's not the best aperture that is available. You can get lenses that have 2.8 apertures and 1.8, even 1.4 apertures. If you don't know a lot about photography, uh, the lower the number, the wider the opening, meaning it lets in more light. Uh, but the nice thing about that, that 105 reach is that you can zoom in quite far and the aperture doesn't close down on you, right? So it stays open throughout at that F4, which is on the higher end of the low end uh, for, for apertures and um, in a decently lit school um, and certainly in any environment that you've got good light and you know an atrium at your building or if you're out shooting sports any of the rest of it that'd be a great lens in a, in a well-lit gym if you have such um, anyhow it's a great lens for matthew uh, they i believe have the canon version which on retail is uh $1,100 at bhphoto.com uh, i checked that this morning uh, matthew's team bought it used at adorama the used gear and the used ratings system at adorama i'm not going to go into it in this podcast but it's absolutely phenomenal and you can trust it adorama and b and h uh, for those of you who aren't real photo nerds for it there are two of the, the most reputable photo retailers in the entire nation. They're both based in Manhattan. 
Uh, they're great places to visit if you're ever in, ever in town with CSPA or for any other reason, uh, but you can trust them. And it's a heck of a lot better than buying from some kind of skeevy retailer that you've never heard of uh, online before. I have had some of my own students uh, get scammed on trying to find budget purchases at those websites. It's generally not a great idea. One quick note on this. I, I, like I said, I think uh, Matt uh, and his team at uh, Francis House Central they got it used, the Canon version from Adorama. If you buy from Sigma, the company Sigma, um, you can get it for $200 cheaper uh, than the Canon. This is both for brand new prices. Again, Canon is $1,100, Sigma's is $900. Uh, and I sourced that from B&H Photo this morning. The great thing about Sigma lenses is that they do tend to come in um, a good few hundred dollars cheaper than the mainline lenses from Nikon, Canon, and the other first, uh, first line manufacturers. Uh, buyer beware when you add it to your cart make sure you're adding the right flavor if you will so sigma for canon or sigma for nikon uh, depending on what your your staff uses so good recommendation there from matt the sigma sorry the canon 24 to 105 f4 lens uh, and it's a, a, a great kind of all-purpose all-around lens for you and your staff uh, next up from nancy hastings the retired advisor uh, at munster high school's paragon yearbook she's a, a previous guest uh, she was advisor of the year uh, back in 97. she said that they have uh, cabinet doors uh, places to hang things tape things it was inspiration pieces deadline organizers and more she's got a double door cabinet uh, with with flat uh, cabinet doors that they could affix things to and um, this kind of unpacks for us a discussion about places to put stuff and hang stuff in your rooms. Um, I heard in from from Megan Percival or Tamara McCarthy, um, other advisors who all said bulletin boards, whiteboards, magnetic boards, things that we can put deadline trackers up. Um, I heard in from advisors about posting up birthday walls and inspiration pieces when they're doing theme development or mod libraries. Suffice it to say, whatever flavor it comes to you in, uh, flat spaces on your walls where you can post stuff. Uh, it's absolutely uh, just a fantastic resource for you to have for yourself. Um, if you get into the Google Doc that accompanies this, this podcast, I will again include some pictures of behind the scenes so you'll see some of these organizers and trackers. You know, in our own lab, we have uh, windows on both of our um, longest walls. And two years ago, we were able to affix uh, uh, a whiteboard material that came on a, on a roll um, and we could, you can attach it to flat walls. You can attach it to flat cabinets. Again, we did it to windows. I think you can retrofit old blackboards that way. Um, but we live and die by our whiteboards for, uh, for deadline tracking, organization group brainstorms, um, just a space to kind of have a parking lot and, and park ideas or to-do lists. Um, so our whiteboards are, are absolutely uh, phenomenal. Um, and again, Nancy emphasized um, the inspiration pieces when they're doing theme searches. Uh, other advisors chimed in, highlighting how they'll post uh, mod libraries and, and things that they want up in front of their kids uh, all the time there. Um, Tamara at uh, James Enix High School in California, um, as you'll see in the Google Docs, she has a really beautiful uh, magnetic deadline tracker, uh, often whiteboards, and I think hers is a, a whiteboard underneath it all. They'll have a layer of metal in there to make them magnetic. Um, she does just a great job with um, custom printed uh, labels, printer paper labels or sticky labels that affix to magnetic strips. And then those magnetic strips are movable. They have theirs up as a ladder um, year long. 
and they also have magnets that include staff uh, assignments. So you might have um, initials for a staff member on a little magnet, and that magnet can get affixed to the um, spread or the deadline, the responsibility, whatever it is on your magnetic deadline tracker um, that you've got. Uh, so you know exactly who's responsible to what. Um, Megan Percival, one of the yearbook besties, their deadline tracker is uh, bulletin board based and they have color team labels going across uh, their bulletin board. Each spread that's due on that deadline goes up on the board. And when the spread is ready to submit, everybody does a drum roll. The staff member gets to rip it off the wall. There's a little bit of positive peer pressure there uh, that Megan was sharing. You know, kids saying, hey, the red team is going to beat us. Let's get this done, guys. And, and you know, they're racing forward toward uh, deadline. Uh, Ali Staub, uh, most recently on the podcast, just before this one uh, in your feed, uh, middle school advisor in Indiana, she shares that she's got a whiteboard scheduler. Um, they have weekly work. I'll include a photo that Allie sent to me. Um, they've got movable magnetic tag tags, including uh, deadline details, um, staff groups or student names, and they can affix and move those around the whiteboard scheduler uh, as they need to. Uh, another thing that Megan includes um, at the beginning of each year, uh, she has kind of this positive recognition piece um, that they that she prints or, or has developed for um, the year's editors in chief. Um, she gets them from Demco about a twenty dollar engraving, maybe about a six by six inch plaque um, that has the editors in chief uh, names right on it, and they post it up in the lab. And it kind of gives kids, you know, who have the the toughest job the the grueling job, um, just that pat in the back, and they kind of you know are able to stake their claim to the space and the staff and the production, um, and it's you know a little bit of a, a name and lights recognition for those kids. And uh, again, Megan shared she actually does that at the beginning of the year, so that you know it's not something that's earned as the year goes on, so to speak. But they come through the door knowing this is our book, this is our program, and it's it's a pride piece uh, that works well uh, for for her team. As it goes to productivity, uh, Rebecca Pollard and uh, a few other uh, advisors chimed in talking about Google Docs. And Google Docs is something, I, for us, Google Docs saves lives. Uh, Google Docs is, is instrumental and really embedded in our production with Tesserae. Rebecca talked about some of the many ways that they integrate Google into their classroom and into their production schedule. Um, they use it for surveys and data collection with their student body. Um, they have a system where they check cameras in and out using Google Docs, uh, tests and quizzes in class they complete as a Google form, uh, and they even leverage uh, Google Docs solutions for senior ad order forms uh, and even more. Um, you know, on the second day of school, we use at Tesserae a staff data, data collection piece. I'll include a link to it in the Google Docs so you can just see, but we find out the kids' email addresses, their cell phone numbers, the, the parents' email addresses and cell phone numbers, the study halls that the kids have, um, their out-of-school engagements, whether or not they have a part-time job, whether or not they have a car where they could drive uh, a couple of students to a photo assignment or, or such. Um, we talk about um, whether or not they're interested in some of the trips and the travel coming up in the year. So Google Docs in all sorts of places and spaces is a, is a great tool to leverage. Um, other advisors also highlighted Dropbox um, and, and Dropbox accounts being able to share files between staff members. And I know many advisors out there um, use both Dropbox and Google Docs to um, house their photos and use as a uh, online report repository for uh, photos and, and, and cloud-based storage uh, that keeps their content off of the district servers. 
and uh, lots of district IT admin. I'm sure they appreciate that. I hear so often from friends who are saying, you know, my, my IT guys are saying that I'm cluttering up the servers and taking up too much space. And, you know, those photos, they just take up space. They do. And uh, so if you can use Google Drive and upload quickly, I wouldn't want to do that on a wireless connection if you're dealing with like in a Chromebook situation. Uh, but if you've got wired connections and, uh, and good bandwidth there, then a cloud-based storage solution could be perfect for you. Another opportunity that you've got uh, when it comes to setting up your lab for staff success and really making it uh, a productive space for them is uh, to think about uh, another equipment investment. This comes from Lori Oglesby Petter down in Texas. Uh, she has a 24 inch banner printer uh, on which the students are able to proof spreads, uh, make posters, uh, create print materials for even for other groups in school. Um, and when they, when they do print spreads, they're able to put them up uh, in hallways and in the lab. Um, if they're proofing, that's maybe lab work. If they're thinking about ad and sales campaigns, they can uh, print spreads almost well at or even bigger than full size and then uh, display those in hallways. Um, I should note, we have our own 24 inch uh, banner printer as well. Uh, it's the T520 from HP and we absolutely love it. I think it's uh, around about $1,400 or so. Um, but uh, you've heard me say and express before in the podcast that we're really big on service media. Um, I do teach design and photography classes as well. And uh, I'm proud to say that our students are involved in, in multiple facets of um, journalism and media production uh, throughout our school. Our, our kids, um, as I've mentioned, take headshots, for instance, of the football team and cheerleading team for the fall uh, football program. Um, so this year with our banner printer, we were able to um, take pictures of our entire unified basketball team and create this really awesome 17 foot long banner that celebrated uh, our, our team's inaugural season. So a 24 inch banner printer um, like the HP T520, I'll include a link to it in the Google Doc, uh, but both Lori and I have had uh, huge success with those in our labs. Uh, I'm going to assume it about Lori, but I can tell you about ours. It also prints on 11 by 17 stock. Um, that's what we run our proof spreads on when we need to, or if we have to kind of crash a spread uh, together to print it at 100% and really get a sense of how our caption font sizes are looking, things like that. Um, and it also gives us an opportunity to print our own advertising and posters at 11 by 17. And that's a perfect size for, for hallway display and all the rest. Um, a number of advisors chimed in about uh, creating warm and, and comfortable spaces in their labs. Um, Carrie Faust of the Yearbook Besties uh, advises out in Aurora, Colorado. Um, she has a comfortable seating uh, situation. They've got a couple couches in their labs. Uh, I'll try to post a picture of, of Carrie's space in the uh, Google Doc. And uh, Ali Stav again has, uh, she described them as being purple armchairs uh, that are for meeting use. They also have wheelie chairs uh, for use at the computers that uh, Ali shared are, are always a hot commodity. Um, Sarah Nichols. Uh, the president of JEA and advisor at Whitney High School and Whitney Media, um, the details yearbook in California. She has uh, a, two comfortable overstuffed reclining chairs on wheels. Uh, one was bought for her by a staff and they actually bought a twin to it. Uh, so they've got one for advisor and one for staff. And uh, this is, I thought this was really cool. Culturally, editors will award the chair to staffers for outstanding performance or a thank you or a pat on the back. And uh, so when you, you earn the opportunity to sit in the big comfy chair, uh, I thought that was just great. 
Um, Charlotte Hara down at Pleasant Grove High School in Texas. They've got a comfortable chair in Charlotte's office, which is just off the production lab. She described it as a chair for heart to hearts and what were you thinking conversations, a chair that's used for headache relief or cry sessions or just a timeout, you know, be it positive or negative or just giving somebody some grace and some space. Um, having kind of that out chair um, is, is a great opportunity, a uh, great resource, I should say, for her uh, at Pleasant Grove. Um, a couple of years ago, we bought uh, and invested in five kind of slung back mesh chairs from Ikea. Uh, I'll see if I can find the, the link if, if they still sell them and put that up in um, the Google Doc as well. But those uh, five chairs plus others that we bring in when we need them have turned into kind of what we call the comfortable seating area. It's a study hall space. Um, when the media lab's not being used for yearbook, it's a meeting space for everything from editor to team meetings, um, brainstorm sessions. We got a couple low uh, kind of coffee table tables to go with those as well. And um, they're used darn near every period of the day. Um, Christy Rathbun had shared, uh, she's out of Colorado, that they keep a bin of fuzzy blankets and spare uh, clean hoodies and fleeces for days when the air conditioning is cranking or frankly, somebody's not feeling so well. She did say that they are laundered frequently, um, which is great. You don't want a staff infection, so to speak, pardon the pun. Uh, but it's a, a nice kind of way to develop a homey feel and, uh, and let people kind of cuddle up a little bit um, by themselves, I should note. But, uh, you know, stay warm, stay comfortable. And uh, sometimes you just got to beat back the AC just a little bit. Um, as it goes to celebrations and awards, it was a common theme that came up from a number of different advisors. Uh, Carrie, uh, Aaron Harris, also of the Yearbook Besties, um, Lori again, and uh, Mary Kay Downs at Chantilly High School. Uh, a variety of different um, devices and uh, tools that they use to celebrate their staffs and their labs. Um, Carrie starts every year with the Summit High School with a giant paper chain, just like the ones you would use to make in kindergarten, or maybe you would decorate a, a Christmas tree or decorate for a birthday party with a paper chain, where every link in the chain is uh, one of the pages that needs to be accomplished for your book. Now, I don't know, I, and I believe they probably don't uh, write the, the name of the page on or the page number. Um, but they just, let's say they have a 252 page book, there's 252 links. And when every page gets submitted to final, they remove the link from the need to do chain and they create a done chain at the opposite end of the room. And so one is getting shorter of the, oh my gosh, we have to get all this done. While the other, hey, look what we finished already. That one's getting longer at the other end of the room. So it becomes both a gauge of, of progress, but also a celebration of everything that they've got done. And I, I love it. it I, and I always see pictures on Instagram and on Carrie's feed of the editors kind of wrapping themselves up in the done chain on the final day that they ship the book. And it's just a great celebratory piece. You know, speaking about celebrations again, uh, continuing in this vein, um, Aaron Harris has had a, uh, a call bell like you would have, uh, you know, one of those low slung silver bells with a little button on the top of it, um, maybe at a hotel or at a service uh, desk or something like that. She's had it for years and uh, she shared with me last night when someone completes a spread or a proof spread or a deadline or when they complete the entire book, they ring the bell and everybody stops work for a second and they cheer and celebrate. And I thought that was a great just, you know, just imagine being in the lab. It's stressful and you just hear that bell going off all night long knowing, hey, we, we really are getting something done and we stop and celebrate it. I thought that was absolutely fantastic. Aaron shared a link to Amazon. They are, I think, $7.99. So there you go. 
Um, Lori down in Texas has an individual awards wall that, uh, if I if I have this right, that every award that a student gets during the year um, via the interscholastically down in Texas or through NSPA write-offs or CSPA gold circles or other opportunities, maybe in Texas they have ATPI that, that photography students can compete in. But every time a student in the publication staff earns an individual award, uh, it's noted on one common wall. And as those awards pour in, and believe me, they do for Lori's program, uh, those kids get their moment in the spotlight. And uh, again, I've got photos of that. We'll share it in the Google Doc. It looks just fantastic. Other wall use and celebrating students. Um, this tip comes from Mary Kay Downs, a longtime advisor at Chantilly High School in Fairfax County, Virginia. Uh, she has a senior handprint wall uh, that I'll include a photo of, but seniors in their last few weeks of, of school, they paint up their hands and press them up against the, the wall, um, kind of like the uh, what, you know, what they do in Hollywood where they can put their hands down on the Walk of Fame. Uh, but that, um, that tradition continues each year for the seniors and uh, allows them to, to leave that mark in the lab. Um, I've got to assume at some point, maybe they repaint the wall or maybe they've got decades worth of kids in there. would have to ask Mary Kay and uh, I will on follow up. I'll, I'll caption that with the photo, uh, but an absolutely lovely tradition. Um, back to Carrie uh, on, on awards. Um, she's got this really neat uh, feature in her lab where every book's cover is featured in kind of a shadow box. And then each of the awards that it earns is uh, engraved on a plaque. And that plaque is mounted just below the uh, just below the cover. Now, if it's not possible for you to sacrifice a book for its cover or to ask your rep to to get you one um, out of the out of the plant, um, at the very least, you could get perhaps a nice eight by ten sized picture printed of the cover artwork from the front let from the front lid, let's say, and uh, and pair that again with this little awards plaque uh, down on the bottom. But a really nice kind of Hall of Fame feature. Uh, that they've got in the lab for uh, for the summit staff. Now, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about a few of just the creature comforts and kind of the ways that we keep and preserve our sanity um, as it goes to deadline nights and, and making the lab comfortable for our uh, for our students. Um, Alyssa Berenger uh, down in Texas, uh, on every staff work night they have, they take an HQ trivia break at eight o'clock and they play HQ trivia. Um, as a staff. If you don't know what HQ Trivia is, you can look it up on the App Store or Google Play. Um, I'm certain that your students know about it. Uh, it's very popular right now. But just that idea of, hey, we're on staff work night and we're going to take a break together. I hear tales of other staffs having uh, a dance party um, one year when it was the uh, middle of January deadline and we were just having kind of a rough night. We stopped what we were doing for a half an hour and everybody cut snowflakes. Um, other years we've broken for a half an hour and played Pictionary just to kind of loosen up, to get some laughter and energy back in the room and uh, make sure that we're keeping our priorities straight and taking care of each other and ourselves as a staff. Uh, other creature comforts from Susan Massey and Jim Jordan, uh, two of, uh, of, of the nation's powerhouse advisors from, from Walsworth and dear, dear friends. Um, Susan's over at Shawnee Mission Northwest and shared that um, they drink so much coffee, uh, you wouldn't even believe it. They've got a Keurig with reusable K-cups. They've got hot tea. They've got a water cooler. Um, we've got a water cooler and heater in our lab so that students can refill their water bottles. And also, I imagine this is the case in Susan's lab. They've got that um, heating element inside 
so that students can also brew um, hot tea or hot chocolate. It's very popular in our lab as well. And uh, Jim noted, uh, like us at, at Tesserae as well, and a couple other advisors who chimed in, um, he enjoyed a full-size refrigerator in his lab. And that's where students could bring in uh, food for lunchtime. A lot of my students eat uh, lunch up in our, in our student media lab. Um, we've also got, and, and I believe Jim did too at the time uh, before he retired, they've got a microwave so students can bring up their lunch and just uh, reheat it right there and stay in the lab and not have to make that transit down to uh, down to the cafeteria. Uh, one thing looking back, I, I neglected to say, you're gonna see a picture of it, um, back to the comfortable seating. Sarah's got in, uh, at Whitney High School, a gigantic teddy bear. You won't believe the size of this thing. It looks like it's seven feet tall and uh, it looks like her kids can grab a laptop or a notebook and just kind of get comfortable there on the floor and, uh, and do what they do on, on product production and, and productivity uh, just a little bit more of a, of a comfortable way. A couple other notes um, just from Tesserae real quick, and, and I'm trying to keep the, the pace on this quick and, and, and make it a, a shorter episode for y'all. Um, we have a phenomenal resource that I discovered years ago or was shared with me years ago, I should probably say, circa 2009. It is not my resource, but it's a PDF online that's called 175 Ways to Start a Caption. And uh, we print copies of that. We have a digital version of it that we keep on a Slack channel so students can just reference it. Uh, but it really helps you not get caught in a rut with uh, gerunds and ING's, uh, ING intros to your captions or to start all of your captions with proper names. Uh, again, it's 175 ways to start a caption PDF. If you Google that, you'll find it. It's the first hit that comes up. It's absolutely fantastic. Uh, you'll see a photo in the Google Doc of a word cemetery. Uh, in Lori's classroom, uh, look behind her and the student in the photo, and you'll see, you know, they, they retire, you know, the word vary and, and all sorts of other phrases um, that they want to eradicate from their copy. Um, and in the background, in another photo that Lori shared from her lab, you'll see there's a photo cheat sheet. Um, you know, I see photo cheat sheets and typography 101 and AP style top tens all sorts of reference materials and reference posters for design and typography and copy and photo. You want to, if you can, just wallpaper your lab with resources like those. Um, and some of the advisor groups on Facebook, I see people sharing those documents and, and talking about them. You might find someone on Google Hit as well. Um, but all sorts of opportunities exist for um, keeping that content up in front of your students uh, to make sure that they're being mindful of it um, all the way through production. So I know that your summertime is precious to you. We moved it through that pretty quickly, but uh, wanted to provide you the, with those resources and, and that advice from some experienced advisors as you look to setting up your lab for the year ahead. And uh, certainly I hope that you'll continue to be a, a listener or subscriber to the podcast and, and continue to check in uh, as we get closer to the year. Our very next episode is going to be with Renee Burke, uh, former yearbook advisor of the year. And we're going to talk about kind of a top five of things to do before you get back uh, to your staffs and, and work that you can do in preparation for the school year to begin. Um, a couple of notes about this episode. Uh, the link for the Google Doc is going to be tinyurl.com slash TYW. EP 14. That's the yearbook wise episode 14. So tinyurl.com slash TYWEP 14. And um, there you'll see screenshots and pictures from uh, labs of the contributors to this podcast. I want to shout all of those advisors out. Uh, thank you so much for your contributions and advice and input and for being willing to share that with, uh, with listeners. 
Um, a quick note about the, uh, the, the yearbook giveaway. I had asked folks for some feedback about the podcast and, uh, and, and was really pleased, gratified to, to get their responses, um, to get some good advice, a little bit of critique in there too, of ways that we can make this resource even better uh, for the audience that it serves. And one small thank you uh, to the advisors who participated in that survey uh, is that I was going to give out three copies of volume four of Tesseray 2018. And those three copies are going to go to advisors in Oklahoma, Pennsylvania, and California. Uh, that's Melissa Clayton, Andrea Furka, and Jamie Neumeister, uh, respectively. And uh, I appreciate your feedback, y'all, and, and to the rest of you again, thanks for, uh, thanks for participating in that. Uh, aside from the episode with Renee, which we're gonna record in Orlando uh, early next week, I'm not really sure what's on the horizon into August. We're gonna be taking some family time and uh, get some camping in, archery camp, and the rest is gonna keep me busy on the road. But uh, you know, even if we don't talk in a little while, I hope that, uh, that coming out of summer, as we kind of reach that that pitch point um, that you're well and that uh, things are trending positively for you and your staff. Um, a note to look back in the feed if you haven't, or perhaps if you're a new listener, to check out our episodes about uh, coverage and theme design, uh, our advisor Q&A with Megan Percival, the theme design episode with Carrie Faust, uh, the episode about concept and umbrella coverage, where we also talked about chronological coverage with Aaron Harris. Uh, there's a phenomenal interview with uh, Laura Zhu and Ali Staub about advising middle school books and a whole bunch of other stuff in the feed for you. So do take a look. I'm not sure what the rest of my podcast schedule looks like into uh, late July and August, aside from that episode with Renee. But uh, I'm happy to share with you that there are more and more uh, yearbook-oriented podcasts uh, out there for you to listen to. If you haven't caught it yet, you need to check out Mind the Gutter from Herf Jones. Uh, you can find it at yearbookdiscoveries.com under the blog link or yearbookdiscoveries.com slash mind-the-gutter. It's also on SoundCloud and all of the major uh, podcast apps and, and, and download uh, locations like Apple iTunes. Uh, it's hosted by Nelson and Haley, um, part of the Herf Jones marketing team, and they do just a, a brilliant job with it. Um, they just interviewed a, a dear friend of mine, Brenda Gorsuch, uh, past Dow Jones News Fund uh, Advisor of the Year, past Yearbook Advisor of the Year, uh, recently retired from West Henderson High School in North Carolina. And she has just a, a magnificent episode where she talks about the power of the free press that is, I think, a real clarion call for yearbook and journalism advisors both. Uh, talks about her background in yearbook and, and the things that she was able to do in, uh, in tiny little West Henderson, uh, really put a program on the map there. Um, additionally, since we've last talked, uh, Walsworth has launched two podcasts with good friends of mine, Mike Taylor and Jim Jordan, who's been on the podcast before. Um, they have uh, Ask Mike and Yearbook Chat with Jim. Both of those are available, again, through Apple iTunes and on all the major podcast apps. Uh, so that gives you four listening opportunities for Yearbook-centered uh, podcast content. I do hope you'll spread the word. I am a Herf Jones guy through and through, but I've got dear friends with all of the major publishers, and I think that we'd be really short-sighted to think that uh, that you know we can't uh, learn something from folks who work with a different company or anything like that. Uh, so definitely uh, get a hold of all four of these resources, and uh, I should say the other three. I've been listening here. I'm grateful for that. Uh, but you don't want to miss those. I uh, don't want to miss them at all. Uh, with that, friends, I think we'll leave it there. And uh, for now, good luck. Be well. We'll talk soon.